the internet, and welcome to season 132, episode 3 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say, officially, off the top, fuck the Koch brothers and fuck Fox News. Sorry. It's Wednesday, May 6th, 2020. My name's Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. In the town where I was born lived a man who'd quarantined and he told us of his life in the time of COVID-19. That is courtesy of Rich Jefferson and I'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Fuck my life is this genius. Trying to end this war Please start spending Much sooner Don't give a fuck on the Shiro White Boomer Nice And we're back from a Technical glitch Miles just rocked that AKA So fucking hard That the H6 Started not just buzzing in his Headphones it started buzzing Like out loud It was just like ah what the fuck See, and it happened again because the, this technology is so unpredictable. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, Taylor Fleming uh, inspired that AKA uh, to do a Papa Roach one. And then I just had to, I just, something, the lyrics were calling me in a different direction. Yeah. I should have probably just took his AKA as written. See, I learned my lesson. Yeah. Uh, well, we're thrilled to be joined in our third seat by our choir co-host, Lil Zam herself, Jamie Loftus. Hey, Jamie, I hear the Zoom call going with Miles and Jack O.B. Zeitgeist. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe he'll talk to Daniel, too. Yeah, maybe Anna Hosnie. Ha, 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 ha. But you all know what to do with those hot topics and Twitter trends. Ooh. You're Zeitin again. Do, do, thank you. Okay, that's from Jeff Crisco. I got 500 versions of this, and I thank everyone who wrote me a version of the Fraser AKA that I requested. Um, and also to everyone who was my, I, I got a couple different menchies being like, Jamie, don't you know that Kelsey Grammer has bad politics? I'm like, yeah, I've seen him. Of course he has bad <laughs> who politics. Who doesn't? My favorite bad thing about uh, Kelsey Grammer is that he broke up with his wife on the phone. Though uh, Camille, I know on no like an on earlier, Real Housewives. Oh, oh really? Or, an earlier, I think so. Or wait, oh, so what, was it? Oh was yeah, it Camille. So he's just like, no, left I guess a not. pile of broken women behind him, basically. Yeah, yeah he's a bad man, but Frazier's a good I show. Mean, <laughs> experiencing the Camille breakup uh, through. Beverly Hills, uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills was, it was very, like, he just went to do a show in New York and, like, stopped talking to her, essentially. He's, so oh, she, then maybe it was she, Camille that he broke up with over the phone. Maybe she would have been lucky to get a phone breakup, and he, she just didn't get a phone, a breakup at all. He just, mm. like, stopped talking to her. It was, the Galaxy it was Brain, cool. the Galaxy Brain take here is that we uh, stand David Hyde Pierce and Kelsey Grammer is an unfortunate accessory to the whole Frasier operation. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our fourth seat by first-time guest, the hilarious Ben Sheehan. <laughs> I am so thrilled that this started off with Papa Roach parodies, and I can only imagine that Puddle of Mud is really disappointed to have been left out of this. Uh, they'll <laughs> get there. They'll get there. Shadow. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that. <laughs> no, you're right. We don't know. Mm-mm. Ben, how are you doing? Uh, we're doing okay, uh, you know, going on week, I don't know, seven, eight of quarantine, and uh, yeah, what are we? sick of everything we're eating, pretty much, is I think where everyone yeah. is. Yeah. I don't count. Um, is it eight? Is it seven? It's probably close. Uh, let's see. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ooh. Yep. Start and your dance start routine. Dancing. Start your dance routine because it's five, six. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're going full out on this core now. That's uh, yeah. I would have had no idea. I, I that that's good to know though. Are you um, just eating kind of the same thing? Is that why you're saying you're kind of getting into the the like 
boredom of the food? What's going on? You, you said that getting, first. What are you sick of? I know. Well, look, I'm saying that, you know, I, I, I may have a limited range of things that, that I can make. And, uh, you know, you're going to the same store over and over. You're kind of falling to your, your routine. And I think it's on me. It's really, uh, really, this is me talking to myself. It's my responsibility uh, <laughs> to either expand yourself. the grocery stores or to expand my uh, uh, slate of things to, uh, to make. What do you? Oh, I mean, give me an idea. What's your thing? What are you making thing. over and over that is starting? Also, to- I'm I'm t- I'm saying I'm making this, but really, this my my girlfriend is a very very skilled chef, and she makes way better food than I do. So this is this oh, is me talking yeah. to myself and my shortcomings. I'm reminded of every day. Um, really big <laughs> on uh, you know the uh, uh, the right mix of additions to a smoothie. You've got your frozen fruit, but it's like adding a little bit of ginger, adding a little bit of honey, adding a little bit of the right powder. Something oh, to kind wow. of spice it up a little this bit. This is intense. This is like yeah. some high level stuff. I don't even fuck with smoothies, yeah. but more power to you. A powder? I can't even imagine. Like what? Maca powder? A little. Um, there maca? is. <laughs> is that <laughs> green? Is that the green one? I don't know. It's just some shit matcha. people I know who live in matcha. Topanga matcha. Canyon. Topanga Canyon talk about. We got some. Miles calls it maca, but it's matcha. We got some random like mushroom powder in the mail, mm. and that I don't really. I mean, not like like just sort of like a regular dietary supplement powder, and I'm not entirely sure it does anything. But you know, we're we're experimenting with it. We're seeing right. where it goes. Yeah. Experimenting with mushrooms. And it's ha- a great time to do that during <laughs> Quar. And are you no. publicly dating Jackie? I am publicly dating Jackie. So we can Johnson, mention yes. that is past guest. Wow. You can mention that. Double wow. J. It's uh, a fan favorite. First, first actually got me hand washing much better the last time she was on the show because I think her myth was about hand washing, about how long you yeah, actually. That's right. And that was months before. So wow. you know, in a way, Whoa. I owe her my life. I mean, maybe she started this whole thing just so that she could uh, you know, <laughs> be right about get her be it, right yeah. about that. Wouldn't put a pastor. Mm-mm. Jackie Michelle. All right. Well, Ben, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners uh, what we're talking about today. We're talking about the new spawn of Grimes and uh, her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know how we're pronouncing the name. It's uh it's it's Joey. Yeah. Is it Joey? No, <laughs> no it's Anthony, I think. Isn't it Anthony? Is it really Anthony? Anthony. Oh god, uh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> I hope it's Anthony. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about giant killer hornets. Uh we're gonna talk about uh Trump saying we're we're safe to work, aka saying working people are expendable. Uh, we're going to talk about skin hunger, uh, hunger for human skin. Uh, it's delicious and crispy when prepared correctly. We're going to talk about uh, what recipes people are searching, uh, Wendy's being out of meat, and Demolition Man. J.M. McNabb, our writer, rewatched it for us so we wouldn't have to. And apparently it's kind of a eerie rewatch right now. But first, Ben, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? Uh, my uh, most recent Google search history is John Radcliffe, who is the new nominee to head all of Trump's intelligence. Mm-hmm. And they just found out that he follows a whole bunch of conspiracy accounts on Twitter, like QAnon and shit, even where he's like one of two followers. Uh, so he no. likes to follow bots, and yeah. he's gonna run he's our intelligence. Enthusiast. Bot, yeah. bot enthusiast, bots. botanist. <laughs> yeah. Now that the world is teetering on the brink of just all-out uh, societal breakdown, let's mm. let's bring in the guy who believes in Q. Well, that's what you need, I think. You know, for to work for the president is you have to be able to reject reality just in the blink of an eye. So like, I think that's now the only prerequisite to work in the white house. Like how willing are you to like shape shift in your mind uh, to adapt to whatever narrative, like you need to be true for your ego. Now it's like, I I kind of feel like Q would have been a better name for the Musk baby. Q Musk. Ooh. Q Musk. If Q Musk, Musk. that's fun. (laughs) That is, and he musk. Isn't that the meanest thing a parent can do to their child is like name them a pun? That's right. So horrible. Yeah. I knew a kid no, named bad. Justin Case when I was in elementary school. That's so Did horrible. you really? Yeah, Justin C A I S S E. There How was horrible. a there was a kid at my summer camp 
whose name his his name was Harley Davidson, uh, but his dad's <laughs> name was David Davidson, and so he could say that he is also Harley David's son. Whoa! And it was wow. like this three level thing where I was like. I don't know why you introduced yourself like this, bro. I'm just trying to get some fucking cream of wheat in this cafeteria <laughs> line. <laughs> he like gave you the dissertation when you're like, hey, Miles. Well, it, it was it, like, okay, well, here's what you got to understand. It was Miles. a kid. It was a kid in his bunk. It was like that thing where like I only knew one other kid at this camp. And I was like, hey, right. what's going on? And you're like, are they weird too? And he's like, there's this kid named Harley Davidson, but he's <laughs> Davidson. And like, he was saying it to me as if that was the thing he shared when like all everyone's meeting each other the first night. I was going to say, if that's your life, you never need to develop a personality, really. <laughs> just just right. say that. You just, just say that every time. explain your name. Yeah. Yeah. It's like being tall. You never have to develop a personality. You're just. Yeah. Uh, fuck you, tall people. Wow. Uh, ben, what is <laughs> what is uh, something you think is underrated? I think uh, underrated is knowing how the government works. Civics education is wildly uh, underrated. And that's kind of something important to you. Is it it's not? something very important to me. Well, a couple, last week, uh, this, they do this um, evaluation, the study, the Department of Education every four years, and they basically test all the eighth graders in the country to see how good they are at different subjects. Oh, and for 20 years running, uh, eighth graders, only uh, less than a quarter of them are proficient in civics. So 24% over the course of the last 20 years uh, have been consistently proficient in civics. So think of all the people who are now of the vote, of voting age who don't understand how the government works. And that's a lot of people. It's almost like it's <laughs> by design or something. I think it is. Then kind of you think it is. Then you don't know how to properly ascertain or diagnose a problem within the guy. I, I don't know. Whatever. I, I could be on some weird shit or something. <laughs> we got to make civic education. I think you're kind of right on the money, actually. I mean, we used to have these classes in the, six, in the 50s and 60s. People took classes like uh, Foundations of Democracy and Civics and American Government. And then there were all these protests. And they led to the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act and the 26th Amendment, allowing 18-year-olds to vote after the Vietnam War. And then I think people were like, mm, it's too much. So we cut it back, and now we don't have those classes anymore. Yeah, now it's just like a history class that's full of bad info. Yeah. Yeah. T textbooks written by friends of the board. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you think it is actually, like, have people looked into that? Is it, Was there an actual, like, by design, we shift money away from education? I'm sure, I'm sure it's hard to, like, trace that back, but... Um, it's not... It's hard to trace that back, but there is there is this sort of I, I've been researching it a lot. I can't find a direct cause in terms of like why after the 1960s we stopped teaching this or how quickly. But specifically in the last 10 years, there have been a couple really shitty policies that made it fall even further down in terms of like priority. So in 2002, No Child Left Behind basically gave all this money to states if they, you know, increased scores in math and reading. And so all these other subjects became less of a priority. And then Common Core in 2010, basically the same deal. So today, only eight states require a year of government or civics education at some point between kindergarten and 12th grade. So you have now you've been researching all this stuff because you knew you were coming on Daily Zeitgeist. That's exactly or, right. Uh, um, no, right. I mean this is something that is a passion of mine and is kind of tied into the the work I've been doing. But I think uh, this is something you know when when you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're like, who the fuck has the power to do what? Uh, it's helpful to know you know where I can put pressure on to get what I want. You know, it's yeah. sort of feel it does feel like it's by design that we that we don't know this stuff. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think the the one way you just look at how the education's been defunded is you just look at the budgets everywhere every year and you say, okay, it got slashed this year and what got an increase? And you can start to see right. like, I mean, I, that's like the only sort of raw way to look at it every year to see like, you know, one of the last budgets DeVos and Trump were proposing was going to like slash education like 7 billion or some shit. Right. So, and also it's, having somebody who wants to do, who is the head of a department that they don't want to exist. Like, right. like having somebody running the Department of Education who doesn't want that department to exist is, yeah. you know, a pretty big sign. In it's like, place. yeah, so in charge of the DEA is now Scarface. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you have a book about this, right, Ben, that you just published? 
I do, yeah. It's called, oh my God, what the fuck does the Constitution actually say? And it's basically a normal sort of language tone translation paraphrase of the Constitution so that we don't all have to parse through this weird old English that's hard to understand and we can just get the underlying information in sort of a normal, you know, direct tone. Right. And are you, yeah. do you tackle, like, are you going to finally tell me, like, how I can tell a cop to fuck off because I'm a sovereign <laughs> citizen? <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, I mean, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, basically, that's the whole idea of the Fourth Amendment is that shit like stop and frisk, and, and, you know, you have to have a quote unquote reasonable idea. I mean, it's been really interesting to see, you know, Bloomberg and the idea that he wouldn't get any pushback for something that is clearly unconstitutional. Um, I mean, there are all these rights that we we need to know um, that we don't necessarily know and that are constantly taken advantage of in many ways. So, huh. yes, the we answer have is rights yes. that we don't know are being violated, and we're brought up in a system that tells us about our rights only one year through the whole process. Typically, it's the very last year where you could give a fuck about anything anyone's <laughs> telling you. Because I feel like most people get like their heart, like their government class or whatever, senior year of high school, or at least in California, yeah. it was like that. So a lot Did of the time- Did you get I a was, government class? Yeah, yeah. I, I took- Oh, that's I lucky. didn't get, I had AP government, and but the civics class Ooh. was like very relaxed. Oh, let me tell you something. Did not pass that AP fucking test. You want to know why? Because I'm in okay. fucking, no, it's senior year, and I don't give a fuck anymore. So half the time, I was, right. I was literally getting kicked out of my AP government class for farting too much. Like out loud and disrupting the class. That's where my head was when they're telling me about, you know, inalienable rights and shit like that. Uh, I took the only history. Well, I took like a history class every year, but I did like the IB classes where you just. IBS? Yeah, where they teach you about your butt. Uh, (laughs) I took like a two year class on like the history of Russian communism. And then I never learned what happened, quote unquote, past the Civil War in the U.S. I got some big old blind spots. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. They They didn't even tell us what happened in the Civil War. I don't even know. It was a cliffhanger. Who won? I was like, I got to be honest. I don't know how the Civil War ended. It's not over, man. Right. And you're like, and based on what I'm seeing now, I think the South won. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There are so many Um, studies that are terrifying because there are, they, I mean, we joke about this, but there are thousands upon thousands of of students today who, who think that like the outcome is way different than it actually was or couldn't even tell you who won the Civil War. I mean, these textbooks, I have no idea what the fuck is being distributed throughout this country. It's about about the economy. Yeah, it was just an economic disagreement um, (laughs) and a war of northern aggression. Miles, I love that you had a a moment in school where your two different like career paths met uh, in class. (laughs) And like it was a government class. Right. And you went into government immediately after school and then you got kicked out for farting, farting which is hilarious. Yeah. And you did leave government to go into comedy. So yeah. uh Whoa. just an interesting uh See, that's, preview that's your adult life. That's why I bring these truths to you, Jack, so you can help me parse through them. <laughs> <laughs> um what is something you think is overrated, Ben? National polls for president. They don't okay. matter. They don't. And yet I'm addicted to them. We Why are. don't they matter? We Please are. Why me. don't they matter? Because we don't vote nationally for president. We vote with our state. So it's great that, you know, somebody gets the highest percentage in a national poll, but it's not of any bearing really on how we vote. And I think it's just media companies wanting to addict people to like a horse race and being, oh, this person is 10 points ahead. Oh, now they're down four points. I mean, it's just basically a way to get us to pay attention to, you know, shit to sell ads. And I think that we should just scrap all national polls for president and pay attention to state specific polls because I think that would be more hopeful. Yeah. The, yeah, pollsters. I still are... love to uh, send myself on a uh, downward stress and depression spiral by watching Trump's uh, approval ratings stay stable during as he completely just destroys our country. But yeah, um, well, that... that's just how I like to burn my calories. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> but those like public opinion, political research, strategy firms that you know get tons of money from everybody from you know the parties themselves to lobbyists and industries like it's such a fucking racket that like 
when I like there when I used to work in politics, like I've I saw like one of the you know pretty significant pollsters for the for the Democratic Party like at work, and I was like, how much are we paying for this? Like, cause like right. I mean, like that our clients were like wanted to use this person, and I was like trying to fit, doing the math. I'm like, this is the most like lame focus group I've ever seen. That wouldn't even if I saw this, I'm like, I wouldn't trust what's happening in here. Half the people are checked out yeah. and are just like. There's, there, yeah, there's so many, I think, pieces to the polling that we don't see too, that at times you're just sort of like, sometimes people look like they're just agreeing with what other people are saying in a room. When you have like focus groups, I get phone polling works much different, but like when people begin to do those sorts of research, it's very, uh, it's fun to see, but also you get to see a lot of people make money. Focus groups can be so bunk too, because it's just like, usually it's like just people who like need money quickly and they'll answer however is the easiest way to get out of the room like i did focus groups in college and i was just like i don't know i just know i get 50 dollars at the end of this i'm not trying to get into a conversation with anybody right. like do you do you like chips i'm like i love chips like if you just say yes <laughs> no, yeah. to everything you can get out of the room very quickly you know right and it's also right. like you can see like you know like like i've done focus like been uh done focus groups with like renewable energy and it'll be like in a city like Pasadena, which, you know, has like a mix of conservative and liberal people. But mm -hmm. if the, if the blend is off in the room and there's a majority of conservative or liberal, most people aren't going to want to be like the, an outlier in that group setting. So mm -hmm. your results just be like, yeah, these people basically agree with what we're saying. And you're just like, that's not nuanced enough. Yeah. Uh, right. But anyway. Yeah, you're subject to the yeah, focus groups are a nightmare. I mean, you're subject to like the the whims of the the person running them, but also yeah, peer pressure plays a a factor and and to be honest, like I kind of wish national polls did matter. I don't personally support yeah. the electoral college. I think it's bullshit and it's unfair and we should have a national popular vote for president and make things more fair, but the system that we have now, it's just sort of become a way, these polls are just a way for like, you know, news organizations to, you know, addict boomers to tuning in every hour. Hey, and millennials. And millennials. <laughs> it's not just boomers. Finally, what is a uh, myth? What's something people think is true, you know, to be false or vice versa? Many people think that we have the right to vote for president and we don't. Mm. We don't have the right to vote for president. It's up to our states to let us vote for president. Basically, they can decide how the electors were chosen. And for the first hundred years of this country, uh, we didn't vote for president. Uh, state legislatures decided how they wanted to pick the electors, and they did that. It's only been since 1880 that we've actually uh, been allowed by our states to vote for president. And what makes me very concerned right now uh, is that in the middle of a pandemic, as we are changing how we vote and, you know, talking about voting by mail, um, there isn't anything to stop states from taking that right away and saying, well, we're going to let the legislature do it. Um, I mean, it would lead to massive protests and basically an uprising, but um, we don't actually have the right to vote for president as citizens. That Comforting. sucks. <laughs> yeah. You'd think that they'd be more out there with that one. They're like, just so you know, like you actually don't have the right to vote. So like, let's fucking yeah. it chill. Sounds huh? like, it, sounds like a, it sounds like a nice thing to save until the very last second to tell everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. They're like, well, November second, we, we slipped and we dropped all the envelopes into a fire. But the good news is, you never had the right to vote to begin with. <laughs> yeah, so don't worry about it anyway. Uh, all right, guys, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. So Elon Musk and Grimes had their baby boy and uh, named it X, A&E, uh, A12, A&E <laughs> like the TV channel, and then A12 like an airplane model. Uh, uh. And I, I don't give a shit, but uh, it is like they... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I think I have to give a shit because I think this dude is just with us from here on out, Elon Musk, and as well as uh, XANEA12. He's ineffable. He's like, he's like uh, Idris Elba in Cats. <laughs> I was just going to make that same comparison. Oh my <laughs> I think God. it's a clear one-to-one. <laughs> <There. laughs> I don't know what you're do talking you, about. Do you think this baby is going to grow up and do something terrible? My guess is yes. 
I don't know. Um, it, it could be like, I've met the sons of very famous men. And they're typ- people. Yeah. yeah. And they're typically like never trying to ever be like their dads at all. Like every like son of a comedian or actor or athlete that I've ever, like they're all very much like trying to just not be the thing their dad is known for. I think the best right. case scenario for this is that this child is very boring and had like is only interested in the most boring shit ever and is just a dull, dull, dull kid. I hope this kid is the next James I think that's the, the best James case Blake. scenario for all of them. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, for like all it, of us. Yeah, I just, just want to see this kid at a piano, though. Just all that pain out there, <laughs> you know what I mean? And we're just like, I don't know, X Ash Archangel, whatever the fuck this kid's name is, Anthony. Between really this and something. the Amanda Palmer, uh, Neil Gaiman divorce news, you're just like, oh, the messiest couples are coming out to play this week, and I'm what? exhausted. <laughs> what is that? What I, there? It's a who, whole. The thing is, I I like Neil Gaiman. I think he's a great writer. Helped you get back on Twitter, I, I believe. Twice. Yeah, twice. For okay. some reason, love that. Appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah. He. So he. Uh. For a very. For I think almost ten years, he's been married to a musician who I really liked in college, and then I think I kind of grew up. Uh. But her name's Amanda Palmer. I like her. I I liked her music in college a lot. Uh, she's about, she's had a lot of, I mean, if you Google Amanda Palmer controversy, there's, she's done some shit where like, just kind of like shady, like not paying her opening acts. Like she's had a lot of missteps Mm. over the years, uh, labor wise, but has this like radical honesty vibe that she can kind of slither out of anything. Um, and so anyways, they broke up and. Amanda, so she's radical honesty, which basically means she shares a lot of information with uh, about her life without checking with people first. And so I guess that she and Neil Gaiman, I don't know what the situation is. I don't know, whatever. They were poly. They broke up. She's quarantining with their kid in New Zealand. He went back to the UK. And then I, I think it seems like just based on the vibe of the tweets they've been exchanging that they, Neil Gaiman was assuming we're not going to talk about this. And then Amanda Palmer wrote about it on her Patreon blog. Uh, oh, right. Like, That's not all makes sense. As I searched, I yeah. didn't know she likes to use the hard R N word. Okay. So she, yeah, she's what? got us troubled past. She, uh, she's but, done some <laughs> fucked up. Like it's, it's, it's a, this tweet know. though is it's what I was mess. telling you about earlier. Cause I didn't know what it meant, but it just made me laugh. Cause I don't know what it means. It said Amanda Palmer divorcing Neil Gaiman on Patreon is Tiger King for ukulele goths. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I saw that too. There's, uh, it's like, it's annoying from so many angles. My, my tweet, my favorite tweet that I saw about it, I'll, I'll, I'll cite it later, but it was like, uh, can't wait to see Helena Bonham Carter play the vampire that Neil Gaiman inevitably writes a book about, about his divorce with Amanda Palmer. Like, <laughs> there's going to be some exhausting miniseries about this whole thing. Right. I don't know. It's just just the most exhausting couples are coming out to play this week. Well, shout out to Anthony. Yeah. What yeah. does her music sound like? What, uh, if, if you had to compare it to somebody. It's like performance art music. It's like... Got it. Singing okay. about important issues, not very well. Uh, I'm uh-huh. sure someone. I'm sure someone will come for me for that. But that was I. I, w- I was into that shit in college, and then I was like, wait, this woman is like maybe not, maybe not so great. Because I were she. I was in college and during that whole scandal where she didn't pay anyone. She paid. She was like. Oh, I'm looking for opening acts for my national tour. And she had like raised a million dollars on Kickstarter for it. And she was just like, Yeah, I pay him beer and hugs. And I was like, well, I don't know if I fuck with this person. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. you know, me- um, a messy week. I, I had not heard of her before this uh, divorce story, but she sounds Hopefully this almost is a boon ev- for her. Everything uh, you've said about her makes her sound like Trump. Uh, she like <laughs> radical honesty and can get out of anything. Uh, hard R N word. Um, doesn't pay anybody. Like that's all like the things Trump is most famous for. So. Very presidential. Yeah. I yeah. I knew about her in a co- in. Co- I remember her as being one of the first artists that really like went full on the independent route where she was yeah. basically. It was like a few years after everyone was like. The RIAA was like suing everyone's grandma for, you know, downloading Frank Sinatra on Napster. And people were uh, um, saying that, you know, record labels are going to be here.
here forever and it's going to be, you know, it's, it's still the future. And she was like, no, nah, I'm good. I can do it with like, you know, a few hundred fans. I'll just sell my music directly and make money on streaming and touring. And I feel mm -hmm. like she was, I mean, I, I didn't know any of this other shit. I mean, she sounds like a nightmare, but um, <laughs> this, this stuff, like, I guess economically, she was, you know, kind of a, a head of the curve, I guess. Visionary. Economically, she, she definitely, like, she was, like, I think the first person to raise a million dollars on Kickstarter. She was, like, early to the Patreon wave. Uh, but she she does uh, you know give off those those narcissism vibes and uh, those like I can't po how can I possibly do something wrong if I'm radically honest vibes. Um, mm -hmm. So you know don't Google her. Save your time. <laughs> <laughs> your time is valuable. You don't need to Google Amanda Palmer at this time. Yeah, Jack, tell people what they should be googling. Uh, let's Google giant killer hornets instead. Um, <laughs> this is. This is something that, so I, we wrote about this back in 2008 at Cracked, that there are things in Japan called uh, giant hornets that uh, kill 40 people a year sometimes uh, with just horrible, painful stings. Uh, they're, they're, as their name suggests, like giant, they're the size of like a thumb. They, they are like, three to four times the size of like a bumblebee and bumblebees already look like they shouldn't be able to fly because they're so big. These are just like, they're somewhere between a bee and a bird. Um, and <laughs> they are oh fucking so metal. Like they, so yeah, they can sting through a beekeeper uniform. They have like armor piercing stings. So the weird thing is it really has the vibe of like the famous media panic of the African killer bees uh, that were supposed to like invade America from the South and just take, take over our country. And um, that it's probably going to be over, end up being overblown at the same time. Like these are real and all the details about them are details from a horror movie. Was the reason it came back was because of that clip of like the mouse getting like stung to death by the the hornets? Because, you know, like this has been a thing on the Internet for a while, like whether it's articles about it or like that one clip every or most people who probably their first interaction is that video where they go into a beehive and just and just there's body parts flying everywhere. Just completely fucked. annihilate it. Well, I've no, Miles. So the reason this is back, uh, unfortunately, is because uh, in Canada and uh, Washington, uh, beekeepers were finding uh, their hives of bees with all their bees uh, having their heads ripped off, and they were like, "Oh, that's that's not good. That that means that we might have giant Japanese hornets in America." And sure enough. Uh, a couple were spotted and the way that they're talking, like the uh, insectologists, that's not the name, but you know, the people who uh, pay attention to insects were like, yeah, so we're probably going to be okay. All we need to do is find these giant hornets, uh, knock them out, put electronic collars around them, follow no. them back to their underground what? hive. No. Yeah, follow them back to their underground hive and destroy their colony. It's I like wanna, I want this this sounds like a good movie. Sign me I, up. They're so big. Yeah, I no, just like I still can't get so over their big. size. Like just the uh, that you could just the they're the like half the size of a a palm. Yeah. They're, yeah. I didn't realize our I, when, bees' heads are falling off. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I think of is these beak for beekeepers. Like this is literally <laughs> this is literally from the CNN report. Beekeepers have reported piles of dead bees with their heads ripped off. I can't. Um, like, that's they even like reading that first report where I'm like, oh, this is a little dramatic. Where it's like getting stung by this hornet feels like hot metal being injected into your veins. I'm like. What? No. But it we've all like been there. Yeah, I know. It's like I can't even imagine. I I've never been in a saw movie. I don't know what that feels like. Right, Ben. Are yeah, you a, the, like? Ben, oh, Ben. Are you a very ahead. outdoor? Are you, are you a very outdoorsy 
person? Oh, I was. Um, <laughs> I I can't I can't uh, I can't stop thinking. I'm not a particularly religious person. I'm like bare minimum Jew, but I feel like. From what I remember of the 10 plagues, we're 20% in with uh, deadly right. disease and some version of locust. So I'm sort right. of looking at the rest of the bingo card wondering what's next. Oh, yeah. My, well, I like bare minimum Jew as the, uh, equi- as the uh, an alternate variant on uh, the bear Jew from Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bare minimum Jew. Well, yeah, yeah. If, uh, if these are the plagues, uh, in the words of like the Passover song, Dayenu, it would have been enough. This this is enough. If, yeah. So if they want to call yeah, the we're plagues good. off we can now, call time we're out, good. Right? I'm good here. We're good. We <laughs> Message received. Uh. Don't try to take them out yourself if you see them, said entomologist Chris Looney. <laughs> oh, that is a fucking line from Jaws. Oh. That is a line from like a horror my movie. God. Don't try to take them out yourself. Right. And in this film, <laughs> inevitably, there's a small B plot or <laughs> pun or uh, just a scene where you see these like renegade assholes who are drunk, who are like, man, we're going to go fucking kill those hornets ourselves. Yeah. And they're absolutely destroyed by them. Yes. Um, don't be surprised if you see small children just being carried away. Uh, and you, <laughs> I guess you will be able to see the, the giant hornet carrying them. Um, what it, anyways, <laughs> go ahead. No, I'm like, is there any, like, is there any rhyme or reason like that someone could like their tips or it's like, you probably don't want to be in this area or around this shit. They're just sort of like, Hey bro, I don't know. But if you see them fucking run for your life, is that just sort <laughs> so of, so fortunately, uh, and just kidding, none of the there's not a single detail on this that is fortunate. So, like with with a bee, like there's a big old honeycomb hive that like you see hang from a tree, and you can like hear them. Uh, these things burrow underground, so you can just like be walking around the ground and step into a nest of these, and then you're fucked. Uh, so oh, yeah, my. there's just like no good. No good news on the uh, giant killer Japanese hornet front. So, yeah, one wrong step and you could descend into waspy hell. Yeah, maybe the Bible was like onto something. Yeah. (laughs) This is the phase right now. This is my hot take today. Maybe maybe. they were onto something with that Bible. I don't know. Hey, I don't know, dude. Maybe. (laughs) I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, all right, guys, let's take a quick break. Uh, Jamie, you have to leave us. Uh, it has been a pleasure having you for these two. Uh, I got to go breastfeed apps. Elon Musk's baby. <laughs> okay. Good luck. Because God's Grimes' feed. breasts are dry. Well, Grimes, no, Grimes, she she lactates like uh, like electricity. It's bad. Oh, uh, it's, it's plasma. for the baby. <laughs> it's plasma. So I'm, I'm a wet nurse. <laughs> got to right. hustle. Okay, bye, uh, guys. She's so bye. selfless. <laughs> And we're back, and we're starting to hear about something called skin hunger, uh, and that's not just me when I order KFC. <laughs> Am I right, guys? The skin is delicious. <laughs> delicious. Uh, no, I actually noticed this in... So I was talking about that uh, New York Times article, the Frank Bruni column, where he was interviewing like this uh, COVID-19... Uh, this woman who had predicted COVID-19 and it ends with her just being like, like it's all just a very like matter of fact, she's an expert. She's giving these really like intelligent, interesting, decisive takes. And then the uh, interview ends with her just being like, I really want to hug someone. I I just need a hug like for like three sentences, just talking about how badly she wants to hug someone. She's like, even if it was just for five seconds, I just want want to hug someone. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a real thing that people are, are going through for sure. Oh yeah. I think also just, you know, we're lucky enough to be like sheltering with a partner. So it's not, it's a very different experience. And like with my single friends and like other, like, co-workers I've had in the past I've caught up with the ones who are isolating alone like it's really it's like you said it's really hard and it's boils down to like just just some kind of touch and a lot of this whole idea of skin hunger now is you know a lot of experts like this is another part of this whole social distancing thing we also have to talk about because 
it has effects overall because you know we're all social animals so we need that touch we need that feeling of like feedback of community from other people around us like it's the same reason why babies who are in neonatal intensive care like need like skin contact and skin contact so vital for children um and what there's they're you know they're just wanting to let people know like yes this is very normal uh but it's also something that we need to take care of ourselves because it's hard to do you know if you don't have someone around so you know the 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 problem is we're in an era where like video and audio we can beam fucking anywhere in an instant right but the haptic you know the touch senses and things like that we're just absolutely there's just nothing for that um so you know we're all i think a lot of people are trying to are struggling a bit to try and feel like in their own bodies a bit and get that sort of stimulation and this is something that yeah. there was even like a um, there's like a business and I've, I've read articles about this. I think even last year that there's like and I don't know if it's an app or it's just people on Craigslist, but like people just like cuddle requesting parties. someone to cuddle. Yeah. 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 Like these like cuddle, cuddle opportunities, cuddle parties. Bag it cracked. Uh, Robert Evans interviewed uh, people who had like started a whole business based on cuddle parties. And it was like they've had the cuddle party circuit and it was all like, there were all these rules to like, keep it just, you know, so that strangers were all just like taking care of their skin hunger in this new reality where we don't have a lot of people to interact with like physically, uh, because we're all, you know, we were already interacting over phones and, you know, now like even more so I, yeah, I, I was just thinking about like, I think like I feel like there's people at the grocery store who have I would say hungry eyes. Oh, great song. Q Patrick Swayze. I feel like there's just like that need and it's not necessarily a sexual thing, but it's like a human contact thing where people are just like more likely to like make eye contact with you and like acknowledge you just because there there's just like a profound loneliness oh, yeah. and like absence of human contact. I've never uh, said hello to so many people I pass on the street <laughs> ever too. in my fucking life. I've never had so many older white people go out of their way to say hello to me in my fucking life. It's just yeah. I think we all feel it, man. Like we all we all know we're doing what's best by staying inside. But then when you go out, it's almost kind of like, hey, man, cool. Like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be weird because there's going like I think people are ready for this release to happen where it's like and now the quarantine's over and we can all go out and hug each other and go to cuddle parties. And it's like that. That isn't going to happen until there's a uh, vaccine. And like for the next yeah. couple of years, it's just going to be a process of like, you know, there's going to be an uptick in your community and then like the hospitals will get overwhelmed and we'll have to go back to social distancing for a little while. And then the, you know, virus rate will go down and then we'll go back out there and it's just going to be. There's not going to be that satisfying release, unfortunately. Yeah. In China, though, they're saying there's this thing, it's like a phenomenon that consumer analysts are saying was called revenge spending that was happening because things are, as things are being eased, like a lot of people are trying to spend a lot more money, like right away. They've just been sort of cooped up. And that's been one way people have been releasing their anxiety rather than like traveling so much. It's just been happening through like right. consumption. Um, so, I think, yeah, whatever it is, we're all going to find our way to try and feel normal. But like that thing, even you say about touch, like there's even studies about how like getting a pat on your back before a task, like had a, an effect on people's performance too, like Absolutely, just something like man. that. And so, you know, they say, obviously a pet helps if you have a pet great, because, you know, being able to hold something, there's warmth from it, you can massage it. And they, you know, there's studies that say massage is just as pleasurable for the person applying the massage as the same person receiving it. And then exercise just so you can get your feet circulating a bit, you know, fucking massage your scalp, maybe put some lotion on, like just do, you know, just love on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Touching yourself. I feel like there's something like that doesn't count. I feel like yeah. as, as much as like, I, I just, 
Yes, I, I want people who are, you know, quarantining by themselves to have like some sort of outlet, but at the same time that like we should find a better uh solution for them because I mean just that, have like a that you know, sucks, man. If we can sooner find people who have like antibodies, just have like the pro hug squad be like, real bro, you can hug yeah. me. Like I'm not gonna don't worry about me, man. The hug immunes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the hug, hug immunes, immune. yeah. Inevitably, there will be a documentary about those heroes, that group of heroes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the thing you were just talking about, about the pat on the back, like that is, we, I've talked about it before, but there's a study that shows that NBA teams that touch do better. And that's why you see all the NBA players like touch each other's hands. It's not even like giving a five. They're like literally touching hands, like they're passing a charge from one person to the other, just before like a free throw or at a timeout or something like that. It's like that improves performance that improves like camaraderie. Uh, And just think of the poor NBA teams, not touch out there, not having anybody to touch hands with just that one creepy coach was right. Huh? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The guy who kept hitting you on the butt and being like, good hustle out there. And you're like, bro, I don't even play for this team. What are you talking about? (laughs) Bro, I'm bro. I'm the uncle of the kid on the field. (laughs) (laughs) Just love, love, love the commitment. Love the hustle. And you're a security Uh, guard. (laughs) (laughs) The guy, uh, did we, cover the guy who would jump on people's backs and give them like he wanted to get piggyback rides from people so he would uh like that was his kink and so he would go to high school uh sporting events and like when the people were celebrating he would run up and jump on their back and it was because oh. he was <laughs> oh my god it was because that was his kink and like so it's a very dark story. Was but he like he eventually like got arrested? He, oh, but he was like sexually aroused, hopping on those backs. I don't know if he was sexually aroused, but I, I think people were creeped out enough. I mean, that, that sounds like a like, like a really terrible sketch idea. Like someone would be that would right. Be, yeah, dude, and a guy like he loves it, so he like cruises sporting events <laughs> to find people. Yeah, it's revelry. <laughs> People you imagine yeah. <laughs> you like hit a game winning shot and your like, teammates are celebrating with you, and then like someone's on your back and you turn around and it's a stranger. Right. You're like holding like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You turn around like what the fuck? <laughs> You're gonna see a lot of high schools like start to like throw the final pass and like miss the final <laughs> shot on purpose for the safety of their fellow right. comrades. They just like uh, look off to the side and the guy's licking his lips and he's like, uh eh. <laughs> he only likes victory. They're like, but yeah. he he actually becomes like a really good like saber metrics analyst because he's like finding <laughs> he's identifying teams <laughs> right. that have a high propensity for like clutch wins. Yeah, anyway. loves a game seven. What? Loves a game seven. Where did all uh, that wasted oxygen go? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let's talk about the recipes that people are searching for. Ben, are you? cooking at all i know you said that uh jackie was cooking and you were uh doing a little bit of stuff have you been googling any recipes looking up any any new uh foods that you're preparing i i mean i'm i'm going to start and i'm i'm not just saying this because the question has been posed to me but this is this was something i've been <laughs> thinking about these last few days uh to really expand my uh my palate and my contributions to this uh this household it is intimidating though to be living with somebody who is such a skilled cook because i can't i feel like it's always going to be put up against that and i just have to really speed up my expertise in a in a short amount of time to compete yeah does she does she like cut- grade you on a curve or is she like really this is this is this is how you're gonna prepare chicken we're st- we're, st- we're starting i'm getting accolades for for effort and initiative at all which sort of feels like a little pedantic but it's fine i'll take what i can get <laughs> okay. and she's a, she's a fine texan woman i can't see her giving you the smoke like but right I mean, away it's like the stuff that she makes and i'm i'm four months in five months into being vegan and this has been a an interesting adjustment oh period Mm-hmm. And but the food that she makes is like I, I mean like everything from tacos to pizza. It, I I if I had known years ago that vegan food or I guess the word is plant based now uh, could taste like this, I would have not made jokes about it. I wouldn't have had a problem with it. I wouldn't been like a dumb idiot about it because it's truly 
it, it is the amount, and maybe it's because we live in Los Angeles and maybe it's, we have access to great ingredients and, and great restaurants, but it is, it is, I, I just realized, I guess this quarantine is teaching me the more I eat of this food, like how much anti-vegan propaganda and like jokes and shit that I just accepted my entire life. Whereas in reality, it's like, nah, you can make some pretty amazing, delicious shit and all the stuff oh, yeah. that like approximates what you were eating before. Yeah, everyone needs that moment where they can humble themselves eating a plant-based meal and you're like, uh, that was so fucking good. And I yeah. need to let go of my like caveman idea <laughs> of like what food is because Western media told me I eat the fucking meat to feel like a fucking man. Uh love meat though. <laughs> best uh but I love plant-based food. The, too. the best stuffing I ever had was like a a, a walnut mushroom stuffing mm-hmm. like a, a thanksgiving that we had with like my sister's sophisticated vegan friends i was like oh christ here we go yeah they're gonna push this vegan food on me but that that was my moment when i was like oh this is better than any thanksgiving food that i've ever had the like they fucking crushed it so yeah. hard and for people who might um, be a little weary try and find good junk food vegan junk food because that is a great gateway food to open your eyes you'd be like damn that, like because you know it doesn't it's not always like healthy like you're drinking a raindrop with one grain of like no it's fucking there's right. some the junk food is probably some of my favorite that one mexican spot we go to what's a good junk food that they make remember that wet burrito we'd have uh oh yeah that's uh near us near the office i don't want to say exactly but it's out here in los angeles and they have a wet burrito that i could I would have told you it has all kinds of dairy in it, but we digress yeah. the top recipes. We do digress. Yeah. So let's talk about the the top things people are searching for. Oh, by the way, speaking of Texas, I started making huevos rancheros with American cheese. And that's like that. That, mm. I, that mm. took it from Mexican to Tex-Mex in my mind. I was like, yeah, that took it to. Yeah. Or you might catch somebody's hands in the wrong kitchen if you came out with some. <laughs> uh, shit like I was that. just out. I was out of the uh, shredded cheese that we usually use. Got it. But um, yeah, the thing that's interesting is the over the most popular recipe overall in the United States overall is drum roll banana bread. Mm. I feel I have myself had banana bread already during this quarantine. I've been the recipient of banana bread. I don't know how many else have made it there. I haven't. I haven't had any banana bread. Oh uh, well, pardon, pardon us, Ben. Where are you from originally? Yeah. What state are you from? I want to uh, tell you your state's most searched item. I was born in Washington D.C. and I lived there for seven or eight years, and then I grew up in Maryland. Oh, okay. What part of Maryland? In Bethesda. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Her Majesty is uh, from Tacoma Park. Oh, nice. Maryland, top recipe there, salmon. This is another thing it has been very common. There's like a few things that are through lines I've seen. Like bread is like a very popular place. Like in New England, like Maine, uh, Massachusetts, I think New Hampshire, everyone was like searching bread. But then other places were, a lot of places were searching salmon. New York, the most searched recipe. It makes sense because it's the last 30 days and Passover just happened. Horosit for your Passover, your Seder plate. Both Carolinas search for pound cake. Mm. I must know because I know we have North and South CAC site gang. What's going on? What am I missing? Do I need to know how to make this? It's a lot of bread. It feels like a very weird, like depression chic move. I don't know. With all this talk (laughs) about this being a new depression and like bread lines, like why would people, we have so many food options. Why would people go? And it's like, no, I guess, I don't know. This is like, this is like comforting for people. Yeah. New Mexico, uh, they searched toward the highest uh, search recipe, tortillas. Florida, margarita. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that checks out 100%. And California's was snickerdoodle, which seems very specific. That's the one result that has me kind of scratching my head about this whole thing. And I'm like, really? Yeah, I I do wonder, like, on, on things where they isolate different states like top search i feel like a lot of the times they're doing something statistically to like add variety i feel like a lot of states would have the same recipe if you didn't like tweak it in some way or yeah another. well 20 percent were just looking up hamburger or hamburger meat which i'm was curious like what someone was trying to achieve by searching that like are but they that's not a their- recipe right 
Well, that's what I mean. Like, are they making their own blends of like Chuck and brisket? And like, what are they, are they doing? Are they going that right, right. wild on it? Or are they, li- are they trying to figure out like, how do you make a hamburger? <laughs> how do you make a hamburger? Is this based on Google meat? searches? What, what yeah. is the criteria? Okay. Through Google. I just imagine like people trying to get like, you know, I, it just feels like it's, it's a big deal to get on any list these days. Just trying to get your PR out there. I imagine like snickerdoodle somehow found their way to get on this list and like, <laughs> yeah, gave the search. Up. Yeah. Right. Big like, snickerdoodle. Big. <laughs> All right. And finally, uh, speaking of hamburger meat, it turns out Wendy's is, is struggling. They're out of beef. Yeah. Uh, the, the, some they made the mistake. Some locations are. Yeah. They made the mistake of uh, of selling only fresh beef oh. in their restaurants. Uh, bad move, assholes. Yeah. Because uh, now that the domestic beef supply chain has been uh, disrupted and because CEOs are unwilling to spend the money to properly protect their employees, Wendy's is having to cut beef from the menus at some of their restaurants. Which must be an awful feeling for people who like when you have a fast food place you go to and it's been dependable and you pull up and that thing is not there i don't wish that on anyone except donald trump yeah yeah Mm. the what's his what's his order at uh mcdonald's it's like big mac big macs and then other ones just like the good part of the pizza which is just the cheese and toppings not the bread part which is yeah. uh, uh, so childish. But again, look, bottom line is you don't protect workers, you don't get beef. So, yes. Super producer Anna Hosnia is saying his order is filet of fish Huh. Damn. What a weird choice. I wonder if he ever rocks the McSurfing turf. Yeah. That, Double quarter pounder question. with the filet inside. Well, he's mm-hmm. a man of taste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is a man of taste. And that taste is sodium. <laughs> Well, Ben, it has been a pleasure having you uh, on The Daily Zeitgeist. Where can people find you and follow you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ThatBenShean. All right. And uh, is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Yes, I want to shout out this tweet by Allison Rosen. Uh, this is not coming true because it turns out that uh, Kim Jong-un, as far as we know, did not die and was replaced by a uh, body stunt double, but... Uh, it says that if Kim Jong-un's sister takes over, North Korea will have a female leader before we do. Hope she's likable. <laughs> uh, uh, Miles, where can people find you and what's the tweet you've been enjoying? Oh, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Miles of Grey. Also on my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance. Talking about 90 Day Fiance, the, the great show uh, that's absolutely nourishing our trash souls. Uh, some tweets that I like. Yes, let allow me to scroll down. Uh, first one is from uh, Sean Paul. Shana Paul. Uh, he was re- uh, quote tweeting somebody who didn't even tag him and just said, Sean Paul did not have to go so hard in the early 2000s like that with like stank face emoji and the flame emoji. And he just <laughs> comes back, quote tweet, all caps, I did. Okay, thank you, Sean Paul. Um, and then another one, uh, Jack, and I don't know if Ben, if you also loved, I think you should leave now. Um, but this is a great reference yeah. to that show. Uh, this is from at Claire Lizzie, uh, Claire, Claire lower, uh, where it's two images. The first one just says Grimes gives birth welcomes first child with Elon Musk. And then the next image is from that like baby, uh, beauty pageant sketch that they did on right. the show. And so <laughs> it's the one that had like all the biker shit, the baby called Bart Harley Jarvis. <laughs> and then the, the captions just say hard rock music playing audience booing. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Some tweets I've been enjoying. Uh, Noah Garfinkel tweeted, The millennium has been fucking awful. Uh, <laughs> Rhea Butcher tweeted, Hell hath no fury like a white person mildly inconvenienced. Uh, Megan Gailey tweeted, I've done everything I can for J. Crew. Uh, and <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, they're going uh, bankrupt. And then LB Hunk Tears tweeted, which is a great name. Being a fuck rather than a marry or a kill is nothing to brag about. It's the lowest commitment. Kill is the highest commitment, which is why it's the biggest compliment. Oh. Yeah. 
And then uh, finally, Mario Girl 17 tweeted, "What's the matter, baby? You barely touched your Baja Blast." <laughs> <laughs> I got that sent to me quite a bit uh, by Zeitgang, and I appreciate it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride down on. Miles, what's it going to be today? Uh, this is a track from French artist. Um, band but a melody melody's echo chamber uh and this track is called shirim s-h-i-r-i-m and her music's really dope uh very like psych pop rocky but really interesting production um so it's got a little you know got, got a hip tang to it so check this one Ooh, out from melody's echo chamber all right well the daily zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you listen Listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for this morning. We're going to ride out on that hip tang. Uh, my second favorite flavor of tang behind orange. Uh, and we'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. We will talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.